What is up, fellow thermonuclear AFers? I am Dan Favalli coming at you with my certified fantabulous co-host, Mr. Grant Hughes. We are back into the NBA mailbag slash AMA grind. We are doing this one live at the moment. I did not schedule it in advance, which I should probably do if we actually want people to come hang out live with us. But we figured it'd be a different way to interact with anyone who's on YouTube. Um, of course, our Discord members know all about us, so... If it's your first time checking us out, welcome. Um, subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we put up lots of content. It's fun. Follow us on all the socials. The link to them are in the podcast description and the YouTube description. We will hopefully be doing these live streams weekly. And like I said, I'll do a better job of scheduling them out in advance on on YouTube. So when we have comments, we will get to them. And uh, that's just how this will go. But the question I think everyone is dying to ask or wants to know the answer to before we really cannonball into this NBA mailbag. Grant, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. And do you think people are dying to know that? Do you think? I hope so. That's like one of my biggest pet peeves. And this just might be me being cranky is, and it happens now more than ever because the Super Bowl's over. But when I get asked to come on all these radio shows or podcasts, no one's like, Hey, how are you doing? They're just like, can you come on like today? And I'll, and it's just like, that's the other thing is I know radio is sort of a fickle beast, but I just, people be like, Hey, how are you doing? Like, I know that it's just sort of like this throwaway, but I want people to care that, uh, you know, that you're doing well, or even if you're not doing well. Yeah, I think I, that's very thoughtful. I think it would be bad, uh, bad live streaming slash bad podcasting. If I really did, if I was having a bad day and so, you know, Dan, I don't really want to talk about ranking the teams, uh, for the rest of the season or, uh, you know, Who's got a, who's going to get traded in 2025? I'd like to just unpack some of my stuff, but I, you know, maybe you know what? Hey, now, we us. have we have one total eyeball in the YouTube. I don't know who's watching on Twitter or anything right now, but we have one total eyeball on YouTube. So. Well, it's probably two if you think about it. Most likely. <laughs> so you you undersold it by by a hundred percent. So. <laughs> We have a bunch of questions to get to. And like I said, if we ever roll into any live ones, we also need to test out why are we live streaming in the middle of the fucking afternoon? That's because that's what RVLB works out to, but other people have normal jobs. Uh, we decided to do our own mock all-star draft just because why not? Um, and just to get, just to get things warmed up. And so I gave you team LeBron. We're doing this off the cuff. Cause we don't know who else. I mean, you could have prepared since you have the first pick, but I am team Giannis grant is team LeBron. He gets the first pick. Uh, so who, who's going to be your first pick? I'm going to take, well, I have a question before we start. Are we pretending everybody's healthy or this guy's not going to play in the all-star game? So I was just going to go with the actual pools. Like Siakam is in the all-star game for me. Like I'm looking at the player pool that has uh Steph, Kevin Durant and Zion Williamson are no goes. Oh, damn it. Well, there goes my first pick. I was going to take Kevin Durant first. So I'm going to cross Kevin Durant off. I'm going to cross Zion and I'm going to cross Steph off. So that gives me my number one pick. I'm going to take uh, Nikola Jokic. Oh, that's that's spicy. That's, uh, as Team Giannis, my first pick is going to go to, uh, we have to look at the starter pool too, which is also very weird. I'm going to go with, and I am Giannis, so I'm going to go with definitely not Kyrie Irving. I tell you that. I'm going to go with Jason Tatum for mine. Okay. I'm going to have to take Luka. Man, damn you. Uh, I'm going to go with Donovan Mitchell. Oh, are you going to make me put in bead on the same team as, as uh Jokic? Uh, let's see. I don't really have any guards yet, so I'm probably, and you can't, I can't take Steph. You know what? I don't care. I'm going to take Embiid. They're going to play together. How about that? 
God, do you have Nicole, LeBron, Nicole Jokic, Embiid, and who was your second pick, Luca again? That's kind of yeah. a stacked team. I'm trying to keep track. We are, of we are real slow. What's that? We are real slow. Uh, <laughs> perfect for the All Star game. I'm gonna go with. I can't believe you took Embiid. That's actually fairly annoying. Uh, I'm gonna go with Larry Markinen. Oh my God, it's not not in my top ten. Uh, you took Mitchell, right? Yeah, I took Mitchell already. All right, I'm gonna take Jaw. So you're you're leaving me with Kyrie Irving. It's just I know. Team. All right, there we go. Uh, and then I get the first pick of the reserves now, right? Oh wait, I don't know if Jaw was a reserve. I I didn't sp- split. No, Jawson is a he's billed as a starter. Do you think he All was right. promoted? Perfect. So I get to go first of the reserves. I'm going to take. I'm going to go with Shea. Yeah, that's the right pick, Dan. That... Uh, I gotta go. I got no. I got. I don't have enough shooting. I think I would like to take one Damian Lillard. Ooh, I'm actually kind of mad about that. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to take, so you took Dame. I can't take Kevin Durant. I keep seeing his name there. Uh, This is tough. Do I really go with, do I have any bigs on this roster right now? No, I have them all. (laughs) Which just means that you can't take any more. So I'm going to save them to the end. I'm going to take, oh, you know what? No, I'm going to take, I'm going to take Jalen Brown. Okay, that's fair. You you got the the wings are actually kind of dwindling. Um, I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go off my board. I'm gonna, I'm going to, getting out of order because Bam Adebayo was my next guy, and I can't have I can't have another big guy. Um, let me get uh, Anthony Edwards because that seems fun. Ooh, that's a good one. I can't believe Anthony Davis isn't on this. By the way, speaking of or Jimmy Butler, what are we doing? How is Jimmy Butler not an All Star? I'm with you on, I guess like the conference affiliations made it weird towards the end, but still, uh, I'm going to go with, I'm just going to keep loading up on wings. I'm going to go with Pascal Siakam. All right. That means I got to go. You know what? I'm going to take, I'm going to take Paul George. That's a pretty good pick. He's a wing, right? Of some wingish. I would call him wingish wing adjacent at least. Yeah. He's a wing for sure. Uh, poof. I, that was actually going to be my next pick. I'm going to go with, you know what? I'm going to go with Tyrese Halliburton. Ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> I was always going to take him instead of George. I hate that you got him. Okay. Uh, let's see. Is there an, is there an, is there a player that's less of an all-star game player than Drew Holiday? I'm not going to pick him. Um, <laughs> you know what? Let me get, let's see. I already have jaw and Dame and Edwards, but we're down to some little guards. Let me, let's have, you know what? When it gets down to crunch time, I'm going to need some defense. So I'm going to take Jaron Jackson. Oh, that was mine. I'm going to take Bam. Yeah. I, now I wish I had Bam. Can we trade? You want to trade? Uh, at the end, we could talk trades. Okay. Uh, <laughs> let me have De'Aaron Fox. Oh, I like that pick for you. Uh, do I go with like the antithesis of the all-star player and just take Drew Holiday here? I mean, we're I mean you'll probably win. Yeah. I mean, like, that feels like an insult to DeMar DeRozan. I'm going to go with Drew Holiday. I mean, like, look, I'm Team Giannis. How do I not take Drew Holiday? Oh, yeah, but he's mad at you. that He <laughs> that he, he would have been the first pick. He probably will be. Uh, let's see. What do we got left? Ky- is Kyrie on the board, or did you take him? I I was left with him. <laughs> okay, perfect, because I don't want to touch him. Uh, so by my count, we have uh, Sabonis, Randall, and DeRozan left. Is that right? Correct. And two of those players take- are going to be yours. I have to take Sabonis because I already have Fox, and I think that just feels right to me. So that leaves me with between Randall or DeMar DeRozan. I'm going to take 
I'm going to go with Julius Randle. Okay, wow, perfect. this is all sorts of disrespectful to DeMar DeRozan. But that's perfect for me because if I had to take Randall, I would have had Randall, Sabonis, Triple J, Embiid, and Jokic. And that's just too much. I have all the centers. I just couldn't do that. So that works out. So Team Giannis, which is me, is Giannis, Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, Lowry Marketing, Kyrie Irving, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Jalen Brown, Pascal Siakam, Tyrese Halliburton, Bam Adebayo, Drew Holiday, and Julius Randall. All right. And they will be going up against Team LeBron, which, if I have this right, also includes... Jokic, Luka, Embiid, John Morant, Dame Lillard, Anthony Edwards, Paul George, De'Aaron Fox, Jaron Jackson, uh, Damana Sabonis, and DeMar DeRozan. I'm with it. That was an interesting exercise to do off the cuff. I like that they're doing the draft, by the way, right before the game this year. That's yeah, that's way fun. more fun. I, I mean, I don't know how – I mean, that's that's going to make it – if what you want is for it to be – like, oh, player X got snubbed, or like, can you believe this? It's better that it's in the moment than, you know, a handful of days before. Like, I still need to see like the setup. Like, are they just going to broadcast this live, or are they going to have them write it down in pencil and then like submit it and then they'll just announce it? Like, will it be a complete cop out? Well, I mean, what if it's like, you know, elementary school PE where like there's oh, everybody's just- in a line and now, and you know, poor, there's poor in this case, DeMar DeRozan standing there, last guy picked, has to walk over to the team. That would be brutal. Yeah, so I'm very interested to see how uh, this works out. Let's dig into the actual mailbag, though. So let's go to, I think the this one is the a topical one. So I want to pose it to you. Uh, it's from Kilhoss. At what point does Zion's inability to stay on the court get him labeled as a bust? Yeah, I mean, so you just the unavailability thing. You 24 games as a rookie, 61, zero it'd be lucky to get to 40 this year. So like it's real. It's, it's, and it's not unexpected. It's kind of like, I always had the thought with Zion of like, if it goes bad, this is the way that it will go bad. Not that that's like any great revelation. It was just, you know, he had injury problems and just his frame and his playing style. This is not new information. It's like not surprising that this is where we're at, Mm -hmm. but like a bust. I mean, so like he's already signed the max extension He's been an all-star twice. How you feel about this year is, you know, up to you, but two all-star games. And he's kind of like, there's really no question that he's one of the best offensive players in basketball when he's healthy. So like how many guys that made all-star games in two of their first four years are busts? I don't know. Um, It's not a long list, but we're kind of like, I I can't even feel myself just kind of like, you know, rationalizing and trying to avoid that label. I think so. I don't. I don't know how many. If we're there yet, I guess an answer directly to the question. But like, I do think it's very clear that, and the Pelican season so far is is proof of this. He's one of the hardest, you know, top tier guys to build around, just because of how he plays. One, but because he just isn't out there for long enough stretches for a team to sort of get an idea of what it needs to do. Like theoretically, we understand how the Pelicans should play with him spacing rim protection from somebody else like that kind of stuff but uh, it's it's all just kind of theoretical still because he hasn't been healthy for long enough stretches and played at a really at his like peak level so that's a problem i can't get to the bust level though just because like the production has been there i mean so you know anthony bennett was a bust like that's this is not that this is this is different I just, I don't even know how long you need to get there. It'd have to be, he doesn't play again this year. And then next season is torpedoed would be to get to 
that point. And they're they were just so good. They were at they were tied with the Nuggets at one point for the top of the Western Conference lead. And it's just been such a swift fall from grace. They've looked a lot better over their past five games. Brandon Ingram playing incredible basketball. Trey Murphy just doing things that are absolutely mind-blowing. And I think what almost spares Zion is that this was actually sort of torpedoing the Pelicans, which it, it has to some extent. But you can still see like, oh, if you add Zion, they're just a top three team or whatever in yeah. the Western Conference. So he could play. He's been available, by the way. He's played in 40% of all possible games for his career in the regular season, which is... That's not great at this yeah. point. Uh, so, but like if he even just missed most of it, like he comes back for the last five games of the regular season and they just make this deep playoff push. Like it's almost like that's only when you need him available yeah. at this point. So we're not at the point of a bust, but we're, we're probably uncomfortably unsettlingly close to having to have that discussion. And it's, I don't know. And I'm curious what you think about this. Are you more or less worried that it's all these different injuries? They're all to his lower body, but there's nothing that seems to be, like especially chronic going on with him uh, it makes it just every it doesn't it wouldn't really matter where they were but uh, you know it is true they're not like oh it's not this recurring same knee or it's not the same foot or whatever but i think you know you hear all this all, you know s- smart sports science people will say like it is kind of all connected in a chain and if you've got weakness in one area it's going to transfer someplace else you're going to overcompensate you're going to get hurt there like, I don't know enough to say whether the hamstring is related to any of the other stuff, but just the fact that it's another injury makes me more concerned just because every time this happens, uh, he's missing a chunk of his career that I think will be, you know, he's not getting more athletic going forward, right? He's already <laughs> less athletic than he was. You don't two. get more athletic as you get older. <laughs> you certainly don't if you keep uh, if you keep getting injured, too. So I've always kind of been of the mind that Zion's prime would be like relatively early, you know, c- compared to where, you know, like he will not be better at 28 than he, you know, was when he was healthy this year, I don't think. So every, every minute that he's missing and every accumulated injury, it makes me more concerned. And I was concerned to begin with, like, I don't know where, well, what do you think about, you know, the, would you rather have him or would you rather have jaw? Like I've always kind of leaned towards jaw. Um, and I feel pretty good sitting there now, even though I think Zion's highest level is probably higher. You know what I mean? I've always defaulted to Zion, but at this point it's like, yeah, I, how do you pick? I'm, maybe I'm just too caught in the moment right now because he's out. Yeah. I have to try and remember what the Pelicans looked like before he was injured. And they weren't even at full strength at that point either because they were missing BI for such as, and even Herb Jones was had missed some time at that point. So I still, I think the answer has to be job. He's the one who's been, he's, He's had his own like knee issues, but he's been available. He's taken the Grizzlies to like these very specific, sustainable heights over the past few years. Yeah. But just it has to be him at this point. Um, Zion is just still so tantalizing, and so are the Pelicans, by the way. Just like they've now throw out the last five games, which they've been able to you know win against some teams that are like all right, whatever. But just like if you put Zion on this team, I just like is there anyone in the West in a seven game series that truly scares you right now? No, I mean, he fundamentally changes like what they are. It just, it, it, it slots everybody else into a supporting role that makes more sense for whatever player that is. Like, it's cool that Trey Murphy can do more stuff, but it'd be a lot better if he just shot really deep threes and cut and dunked, you know, for now playing off Zion. And you could just do that up and down the roster. Uh, so yeah, he gives them a chance to beat anybody. Um, Cause there's no, there's really no solve for him. It's a lot like, you know, when Giannis was really, really downhill all the time and there was no fix for that. 
Um, I guess that's still now kind of though, but like, you know what I mean? He gives them a punch, like the puncher's chance proverbially to be literally anybody. Um, Did you want to take us to the, to the all-star one? Let's see. Oh yeah. Good. This is a Kerrigan asks, what are your suggestions for fixing all-star weekend? It seems like everybody, both fans and players are over it. The changes to the actual all-star game were a good start, but what would you do to reinvigorate the whole weekend? I'm glad this is your question. I don't, I don't have a problem with the three point contest. I think that the game now is probably as competitive as it's going to be when you look at them implementing the Elam ending. Mm-hmm. And aside from that, I would love to fix the dunk contest to get more premier guys into it. Like Aaron Gordon kind of saying, Oh, I would do the dunk contest if I was made an all-star made me want Aaron Gordon to be an all-star. How can you incentivize people to participate in the dunk contest? I don't have an answer for that. I will say though, as much as I think that the league has taken steps to make it more interesting, I, at this point of my career, unless you need me to go to the all-star game, I view all-star weekend as a chance to just catch like a breather. It's not mission critical for me to see it. I'll have it on in the background, but it's not mission critical for me to sit there and watch. And I get why the fans totally enjoy it, but I don't know how you go about one. Even if you have a problem with the way that the game is played and we've had since they've, what is it? What have we done? Two all-star games with the Elam ending now. So, and like, they've been like, They've been pretty fine as far as I can remember, but I just like, we're, it's an exhibition and you don't want to see stars. We're already dealing with load management. People have an issue with stars, whether they're injured or just not playing in certain games. You don't want to up the injury risk factor. It's almost the same with how are they going to, I really want to see how teams react to the midseason tournament when it gets mm-hmm. implemented, because I want to know what the stakes are actually for, for most of these teams and how you can incentivize it to be much more of a, a higher stakes affair. I don't know what you do with the all-star game, but I think the dunk contest, you absolutely, and you get like, we could junk the skills challenge at this point. I don't, I would rather watch like a knockout challenge from half quarter, just something along those mm-hmm. lines than mm-hmm. um, the skills challenge right now. Uh, I missed the, do you remember the, what was that where they had the spots and you would pair, it was a WNBA player and NBA yeah. tournament. What was that called? Like the, I what, can't what, remember. I know what you're talking about. They'd also include like a, like Clyde Drexler would be in it or, you know, they, right. they'd have like a, like a, like a hall of fame type player also along with the WNBA and NBA person. I would bring that back. Like I, that interested me more than the skills challenge, quite frankly. And this year, did you see that there's the Attentacupos? Yeah. And then like, just like the, what are we doing here at that point? Uh, but fans do s- seem to enjoy all-star weekend still as much as we complain that it needs to be fixed. I don't have any suggestions for the game. Again, the dunk contest is just how do we get bigger names to do it? Is it, you can't make it a contractual obligation if you're invited, but like, is the financial incentive like that great? That, yeah, I I don't, I don't, I don't even know what the, I honestly don't know what the incentive would be. No, I I don't either. I I think you have to go financial for the, for the like skills and dunk and three point. It, It is interesting that, that the three point contest is always so much more heavily populated by big names than the dunk contest, or at least recently it has been. Um, I don't know why I think maybe, I think there's a potential to look really bad in the dunk contest. You know, you can have that round where you just try five, you Chris Anderson, it remember that where he was just like trying impossible dunks over and over and you just can't get it. Um, the one thing I did want to mention though, before we move on, and this isn't a fix cause I don't know what the fixes are, but do you think that, cause it used to be the all-star game was like me for the, for example, growing up in California, you know, if I really like Penny Hardaway, right. And like, I might see Penny Hardaway three times a year if he was on like the weekend national, you know, NBA on NBC game. And so the all-star game was like, I definitely get to watch him and all these other guys, like even a little bit later, someone like Vince Carter, or guys that just are way out of your market that you couldn't see. 
but now it's like everybody can watch every game. It's not hard. And even if you don't spring for league pass, you have all these other, you know, ways to see your favorite player, wherever they are. So some of the, like, some of the appeal of watching someone you didn't really ever get to see and also watch them play against the other best players. Like that's not really there. That That's not the draw anymore of the all-star game. I think that just from a fan perspective, if you're trying to look for reasons why people aren't as into it as maybe they used to be, I think that kind of has to be a, a consideration. Colin Tan also says in the chat, risk reward. And like, that's the, the crux of it, especially for, but it's the same thing with playing defense in the all-star game. These guys, it only hurts their brand if they become a meme because they missed a dunk or they try and defend a dunk. One way that I think, and that's why higher profile players are going to stay away from it, quite frankly. And then it's also just tough to, if we're talking about reoccurring participants or even not, when you're looking at historically, how do you top what we saw from Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon ever at Mm -hmm. this point? Uh, Can you just be like, what if you put like a defender in the dunk contest? And so it's like, you can either have the dunker pick someone who has to defend them. So like if, you know, let's say Shane Sharp really fucking hates Patrick Beverly and just says, Oh, he has to defend me during this. Like, and it has to be at the rim or it's vice versa where it's they, we try and single out like individual rivals to where it's like, Oh, who's going to defend Shaden Sharp. You could also just, I I don't want to be an advocate of doing away with the dunk contest altogether, but like I would be more interested in like a one-on-one I was just going to say, yeah, let's play King of the Hill or even, you know, you could have the three guys rotate in and out where if you score, you stay, or if you don't get a stop, you got to stay on and guys just keep scoring on you. Like just go to middle school basketball practice type stuff. Yeah. One-on-one would be way more interesting because did you see uh, Cam Thomas, I don't know how recent it was, but saying he beat Kevin Durant in some kind of post-up one-on-one drill. And then Durant came to the press, the, the, the podium next and was like basically bullshit. It was, it was 15 to five. Now it's going to get worse. Cause he's talking like that. Like that, <laughs> that would be fun. If we could just, even if it's like, I guess it wouldn't even have to be all-stars. It could just be a, you know, a couple teammates or something if you wanted to keep it from getting too intense. But I mean, talk about Beverly versus Chris Paul in a one-on-one tournament. With oh, <laughs> let's see it. I want to see it. Um, keep, this so now- do you want to go back up? And uh, pitch me the uh, the one that's not from you, you swear. Yeah, <laughs> this one comes from not Denver Valley, I swear. Is LeBron James a bad leader? Yeah, intriguing. Uh, I perked up on this one. I, we had to go back to it. Uh, my first thought is it's hard to argue with the results. You know, they're like, you've been to 10 finals. It's hard to be that consistently successful if you're just not at least like passable as a leader. Cause he was the unquestioned best player on his team on all in all of those instances and pretty much has been, you know, since he came into the league more or less. So there are, you know, the, the Kevin love, you know, why don't you stop trying to fit out stuff? Like that's, that's a few years old and it maybe wasn't as big a deal because they seem to be on decent terms. He's, I guess maybe you'd say like him sitting after getting the all-time scoring record would be fodder for someone that's saying he's not a great leader. He's a terrible general manager. We know that. Um, And he's kind of held some teams hostage by signing like one plus ones. And, you know, I don't know if that falls under the leadership umbrella, but uh, I I guess I come back to, he's had so much success as like the unquestioned, you know, alpha, like top guy on his team that, even if he comes up short in some areas or you could quibble with some stuff, I can't, I can't quite get there. I'm curious why you asked it. Like what, what was the impetus for that? I saw I, and I, why not Dan Favali asked it. Not why. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was a very astute question. He was, they, they were very brave for, yeah. for asking it. So I'd like to shout them out. 
my whole thing here is, and I'm not putting this on LeBron, but the way that Russ was sort of ostracized out of LA, and it does seem like he had a bad attitude there, but then you have all these other teammates, some of whom were in LA, including Patrick Beverly was talking about it, that they said that he was a great teammate. Mm. And LeBron coming out when they didn't get Kyrie and saying he was disappointed when the only way you were ever going to get Kyrie was by trading Russell Westbrook just seems like bad juju for the locker room in general. And when him, he's subtweeting, maybe it's me. This goes back to the Kevin Love stuff. That's a little different because he got Kevin Love to a or he and Kevin Love won a title together, like the fit out tweet that will live on in, in infamy. And at some point, the way that he moves or not, he moves around, but if he has a say, and by the way, this isn't just LeBron, but when you're talking like the Warriors asking them about would they like to reacquire Kevin Durant? And if they're going to, yeah, like you're saying, even when they were first chasing him, it's like, well, you know that you getting Kevin Durant is kicking out uh, Harrison Barnes, like who's on your team. And so that stuff's always been iffy with me, mm-hmm. but like LeBron specifically, you just get to a point where if he's complaining about a lack of help, and we saw it in Cleveland, a bunch, we didn't really see it in Miami a ton, but we saw it in Cleveland, and we've seen it in LA pretty openly. It's just like I'm not asking him to be a bastion of just like even keeled optimism or all the time. At at the same time, it gets to a point where it's like I don't know if it's because later in his career and he just senses more urgency. You, you can't treat your coworkers like all these expendable parts, even though in reality a lot of them are just dispensable. And so that just sort of rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, glad Armon's 34 terrible as a regular GM great as an all-star GM. <laughs> <laughs> and isn't that what matters really? <laughs> but also just like the other thing. And I honestly hope he's okay. I don't like speculating on these things, but like Anthony Davis deleting or shutting down his Instagram. He looked so disenchanted during and disengaged during that game with LeBron. I don't know yeah. if you saw the clip too of LeBron saying, I just want you to know that like, I love you. And it felt like an apology. Like, did he say something to Anthony Davis behind the scenes? I hope Anthony Davis is okay. And he's just not checked out or, or injured. Cause he didn't look right that game, except for when he inexplicably dove into the stands for a loose ball. I tweeted, I was like, please never do that again. But I'm just saying like, does it wear on these players ever being with like it wore on, this isn't the best example, but it wore on Kyrie. It had a wear on Kevin Love at one point at war on Pat Riley. And he is LeBron is probably my goat. I want to make that clear. And I do think as much as he's trolled and about, you know, the lying or the fake reading, like he's been just so good when you're looking at the guy opened a fucking school. And like, I just appreciate when he has really had the political voice and the courage to say things that are important or stand up. Like I'm still going to appreciate that. I don't think that he needs to be like my actual role model, but I think he gets an unfair shake on some of those things. So I think he's a great, great, great player. And you absolutely build your team around him. But like, isn't there a better way to sort of can't you just push for changes behind the scenes rather than tweeting about it or like being openly frustrated uh, when you don't get Kyrie? Or even we saw it on the court where it's like, you know, remember the JR stuff? Like, yeah. you act yeah. like yeah. JR Smith lost you the finals game in that moment when they were still basketball games to play. And so, like, yeah, it's funny when he, he I don't even remember what it was at this point, but his overreaction to some random regular season game. Right. What was the call? Do you remember what it was? I think it was, it was a no call, right? Because he got hit on the arm. And he's freaking out. I love yeah. that because he's treating it like game seven of the finals. And it's over the top. But I just think that maybe it wasn't always like this. And I'm not saying he doesn't have the cachet to go to the Lakers and say, you guys need to fucking do something. This team sucks. But like yeah. to be so open about it, there's part of me that appreciates, as a content creator, appreciates the candor. <laughs> but then I'm just like, what are we doing here? And so I do think that he is skewed towards less than an ideal 
leader. And it's the way the Russ exit, the way he was thrown under the bus for everything, when one, it should be Lakers management for how that all played out before yeah. anyone else. But just also just again, the him campaigning for Kyrie, knowing who it's gonna cost you, and then complaining it didn't happen, knowing there was only one way to get him is just and knowing also afterwards that and again, it shouldn't Max Christie, Austin Reeves, he shouldn't technically care, but to be like, why didn't we just go out and get Kyrie when you know I would have given up all these guys? It's just weird and it's off-putting. And I'm not saying he's the only one that probably does this, but I feel like he's been so candid about his desires in recent years that he's the one that immediately and also because he's switching teams. Like I think Kevin Durant's a, a terrible leader. I don't even like he's not like that's just clear. This isn't just a LeBron specific thing he's certainly not as selfless as leader as Kyrie Irving who per Kyrie Irving was the most selfless of leaders in Brooklyn so and I'm not even saying that like you know Luka Doncic is this you know great leader he's shown like open frustration with his teammates before but he's also not like they went to him and asked if the Kyrie Irving trade was okay if Luka said okay I think that we need to check Luka's basketball IQ a little bit but yeah. it wasn't like Luka was out there if, if it was it was behind the scenes so I just I don't know. Like this is, you know, when I think of great leaders, I think of Dame Lillard. I think of Giannis Antetokounmpo where it's like, yeah, they want to be better, but they're never like, they're never just so open about it. That it's demeaning to their teammates. It's not Kevin Durant talking to Chris Haynes saying like, look who I'm playing with. (laughs) Like who the fuck is Royce (laughs) O'Neal? You know, before I want to ask you this next one about the, this, this Kobe rule, but I just like, so the longer the LeBron thing goes on and now it's 20 years and the more context we have and the more like comparisons we have across, not just basketball, but like other like exceptionally famous people. Uh, I just think about like you zoom all the way out. And to me, you take a guy that has been world famous since he was like a junior in high school. I mean, definitely by the time he was a senior has had like nothing has had every resource available to him has had, been able to do literally whatever he wanted. And just like, there's no Michael Jordan stories about him, you know, about gambling or about like being a horrible, like monster of a teammate. Like there's none of that. There's no, like, he's never, you know, really, he's, he said some things he probably shouldn't have said, or like come down on the wrong side of a, you know, politically divisive subject or whatever, or just not on the wrong side, but on a side that some percentage of people disagree with. But like, it's never gonna it I don't think and yeah like slurping LeBron is just like oh no one's ever thought about that in a you know mainstream media outlet or whatever this is but like I don't think we are blown away enough by how he like has not made a significant misstep in 20 years of being like the most famous athlete in his sport more or less like that's insane to me I think like that I don't know where what, what like part of the legacy that goes into but uh, and it's only like tangentially related to the leadership question that we started this with, but like, there's just not really a comparison for someone quite like that. Like the most famous person that has been scrutinized to like the nth degree forever and has never really stepped too far out of line in, in any kind of significant way. That's kind of That's a great point about the lack of people saying that he's a crappy teammate. I think the way that Russell Westbrook was just sort of thrown under the bus. And I'm not saying that he, he everyone was culpable is my point. Yeah. I feel like LeBron escapes culpability a lot yeah Yeah. that's and maybe he deserves some of it i don't know but but yeah that's fair okay uh brian c wants to uh is asking uh for our thoughts on a kobe rule quote unquote which is basically should certain players be allowed immediate entry into the hall of fame so you don't have to go through the waiting period you potentially avoid like 
in uh, you know certain circumstances maybe tragedy befalls that player and between the time they retire and their induction they're not around anymore um it, it just so like generally speaking like you know what do you think about the hall, how the hall of fame operates like when induction should happen is there something that needs to be tweaked because like it is interesting to think about like an active player just being a hall of famer, you know, as they're playing, I think that's kind of, kind of cool, but I, I want to know what, and Brian wants to know what, what you think about that tweaking that, I guess. I wouldn't be staunchly opposed to it. I don't know that there's a need for it. The, you know, mentioning like if something goes wrong with a player afterwards, like, and they have to be posthumously, you know, in, inducted in, but also, you know, who's really going in. And if you do, are, are we cutting, are we trimming down then the hall of fame classes in the future? Or if you're keeping them the same, does that run the risk of watering down the award because you're by default taking out candidates who are inducted um, during their career? And so, you know, and if you're a fringe candidate, you were never going to be inducted during your career to begin with. So I don't think the weight is terrible. And it's sort of, I, I, I'm not, look, I don't, I can't speak for players, but it, it sort of gives you something else to look forward to and reflect upon after your playing days are over rather than, rather than sandwiching all this stuff in together while you're playing where everything right now can be a blur. Let's use LeBron as an example, but in the league for two decades, basically he has to feel like it's just been a whirlwind and a blur. And I'm sure he's had time to stop and appreciate all his accomplishments. Uh, but just like, I don't think that he would, would he want to just be elected into the hall of fame now when there's so much else going on and your focus is split differently. I like the idea of shining a spotlight on players after the fact, and it gives them us something to look forward to and talk about them, something to look forward to and talk about. And I think some people might argue that the Hall of Fame credentials or uh, or criteria are watered down as it is. I don't I don't really think I don't really care about yeah. that, but I do think you you know jeopardize that because think about right now, what is the what is the standard for it? Because how many active players would qualify for the Kobe rule right now? I mean, like we probably just when we did that All-Star draft, we probably named a dozen of them at least, right? So the criteria for that is even just ambiguous because it's like, well, okay, Giannis and anyone who's generational, like how many generational superstars are in the league right now? So I would just be against it because it feels like spotty territory. And then it becomes like, you know, you could say the larger than life players, LeBron, but then there's, there's Giannis and like, there's so many of them right now. I wouldn't, I, I don't know how you feel, but I'm not really about it. I wouldn't be old man yells at clouds if they did it, but it's not something that I think needs to be prioritized. Yeah. The hall of fame and all-stars kind of general, like fall into the same category for me, which is like, wake me up if something egregious happens on, you know, one way or the other, but it's not a uh, top of mind for me. I do think generally though, like having to wait is probably a good thing just in general, because like, I don't know, it's hard to think of an example where, you know, right after player X retired, we would have been sort of prisoners of the moment and like put, you know, let's get, let's do it, you know, tomorrow, let's induct so-and-so, uh, I don't know, like Tim Duncan or something, someone like of that or Kobe or whatever. But like, I don't think it's a negative that we, you know, give time for the whole career to sort of breathe a little bit and, you know, just, there's, there's not, it's not going anywhere. I, I get the posthumous thing, but that's such an isolated, it's such an outlier of a situation that, I don't think we need to change anything uh, for that reason. Let's go to this one for you. HP Burgie asks, or Burgie, assuming this version of the Timberwolves doesn't work, even though I still think it can given time, I have two questions. Let's start with the first one. 
what is Gobert's trade value going to be a couple summers from now? So I guess the implication is he won't be owed three years and 131.5 million when you're trading him because that's that's what he's owed at this moment. Yeah. So it's tricky one because I think right now the value of first round picks is like changing under our, it's at, as we speak. And, and Gobert was, I think part of, part of that with the, the trade that just happened. Um, but I think using like Russell Westbrook as sort of a shorthand, I think maybe Gobert. So I do think, first of all, I kind of think you're paying to get off of Gobert's contract going forward. Do you, do you like as a basic premise, do, what do you think about that? I'm giving, you probably have to give up a first rather than expect to get one for him. What's more likely to get a first round or have to give up one? I think I would agree. I still think you don't think if they went to Charlotte and said like Gobert for Gordon Hayward, like you don't think you just get off his money to a team for a shorter contract or you're not going to, I don't think any team that has cap space this year is going to be like, yeah, just send Rudy Gobert into. Yeah. It's close. So like, I don't, I'm not sure either. I, I think you, the Charlotte example is a good one or some other team. You might not have to give up first, but I was going on the theory that like, for however many years are left on the deal, that's how many firsts you have to give up to get off of Gobert's contract. So like in a couple of years when there's only one left, maybe you can give up a protected first to move him. I just, I don't see, I definitely don't see it as you're trading him and getting back like a starter, a young rotation player and a pick or something like it. That's, that's not happening. So um, that kind of ties in. The other thing I would say, I know I made the Russ comparison, like the fact is, even right now, Gobert's on off, you know, impact on Minnesota's defensive rating is eight points per hundred possessions. Like it's that's right in line with a I lot was, of the Utah years. I was about to say, is that even a fair classification? I feel like this has he hasn't been awful this year. He's no Timberwolves defense has been elite, basically yeah. best in the league when he's on the court. And um the offense has sucked. It's been terrible. Yeah, and like does Mike Conley coming in change that? And so you do have to right. plan around that. And then there are even games though. Uh, and I can't even remember. I've watched. I've tried to cram in so much basketball post trade deadline. But the other night, I'm watching Timberwolves game. He's he's making incredible plays, but then he's also like kind of unplayable by the end mm-hmm. of it. And so like that's weird. And so I think you look at the age, which yeah. is 30, and then the contract commitment, and that's why we're here. It's not that Rudy Gobert sucks. He's been. I would say even though he's been not the same defensively, he's still been elite defensively. Yeah, pretty close to like as advertised, at least in that particular facet. So. But I still, I still don't think uh, he is is someone that like you're getting a bunch of good value for. I think you're moving him because you've decided it doesn't work, and by the time that's the case, the rest of the league is kind of you know hip to it. Here, I so Caesar Ramirez says I thought Gobert was untradeable once he signed that max deal. Then four firsts were given for him, so who knows? That is correct, and it, it only takes one team. Yeah, it takes one look. The Phoenix Suns were negotiating against themselves in the Kevin Durant trade. They gave up four firsts and unprotected swap, Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, and and Jay Crowder. I have a question for you, though. It's going to be a little bit spicy. Let's hear it. Are you ready for it? Mm-hmm. You're a team, and you're just taking them on. Who are you more inclined to roll the dice on? Rudy Gobert or Ben Simmons? Oh, Gobert. I, okay. I think but, I, it's not really that hard. I okay. think I, I laughed the other day when uh, I think it was like Toronto was rumored to have been in talks with Brooklyn before the deadline for Simmons. And, you know, there's a report recently. I'm sorry. I forget who it was from that, you know, the, the nets might be looking to move Simmons this off season. It's like, yeah, I mean, good luck. <laughs> like, you're not gonna, I, I, I so yeah, I, Simmons is like, I don't know what, 
a team would do with him necessarily. Gobert, at least I understand like one thing he's going to provide, right? You can, there's a, you can form a theory of a team around Gobert a lot more easily. I might be. And so I guess I'm thinking too deeply in the sense that if I'm a team like the Spurs or the Hornets, I just have more interest in trying to rehabilitate the value of a 26 year old who provides in theory more of a coveted skill set as the primary playmaker and then his positional versatility on defense and his contract's also a little shorter. So I don't know if that's a hot take, but if you were to say, if I'm a team that can just take them on, if you're trying to win a title next year, yeah, it's Rudy Gobert. But if I'm a team that's on a more open-ended, undefined, gradual timeline, I'm still going with Ben Simmons. I think yeah. just the Rudy Gobert gives you the higher floor, but the higher ceiling would be if we really rehabilitate Ben Simmons to what he was when he was he was an All NBA player and deserved to be an All NBA player at one yeah. point. And I'm not Gobert has been too, but it's just he fills peak Ben Simmons fills more gaps than Rudy Gobert. That's interesting. I the youth is compelling. The contract length is compelling. I just kind of don't think Simmons is getting back to that. But yeah, if you're the Spurs, the Spurs is a great example. A team that's like, let's take a flyer. Uh, I think Simmons is probably the better flyer. Gobert's the guy that like I can start him for sure. And and I have an idea of like how helpful he'll be. There's a second part to this question though. Um, do you want to get to that? Yeah, let's make this our, if anyone is in the chat and watching and wants to get in a live question, let's make this our last question before we sk skedaddle here. So the the question is, and it's still from HP Burgess related to the Timberwolves, how does a core of Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels, Nas Reed, and a mountain of picks from a cat go bear trade stack up against other rebuilds? I can't wait to hear your answer because I'm, I'm going to make it worlds more difficult for you after I hear it. Right. So first of all, my first reaction is really throwing Nas Reed into the core there. Just, just like pretend nobody's going to notice that's happening. Uh, I think, so you're telling me basically you have Edwards and you're getting back enough picks to offset like what you laid out for Gobert. Uh, and you're sort of back to like a young core, your draft is roughly, you know, you're replenished. Um, I feel like that's not great. Because the timing of this is Edwards will be in his what, like fourth year, fifth year, uh, and he'll look around and say, so it's me and there's some picks that we have again, and I have <laughs> Jaden McDaniels is my best teammate. And so now I'm worried about Edwards and his next contract. Like I'm already thinking, so if you strip this down and scale it back, I think probably Edwards would feel good about, well, it's definitely my team now and we have spacing, so that's cool but he's also probably going to be at the point in his career. He's an all-star already where he's like, what are we doing? I think that's not too premature to start thinking about that. So then if you're comparing that to like what you have in Oklahoma city, what you have in Orlando, I mean, even maybe Detroit, like, you know, your mileage is going to vary on the Spurs and Rockets and whichever of those gets Wimbanyama will like immediately be in a better place than the hypothetical rebuilding wolves in this question. So like, I mean, that paints a kind of a bleak picture because I do think there are a lot of Wolves fans that are of the mind that we got to get off Gobert, we got to get off Towns, and then we're good. But, like, you're taking a few steps back there for a return that is anything but, but certain. You know, I, what, do, do you feel good about Edwards and sort of a clean slate and he's, you know, getting towards the end of his next deal or, you know, midway through it where you're already thinking – extension trade demand like that kind of stuff i think it would depend on what you get because we know it's, you're not going to recoup any of the value in a rudy gobert trade it would be right. what are we getting in the cat trade and the other element of this is so you name jane mcdaniels and nas reed who it's because of the players that aren't like you include those guys 
they're going to be on their next next contracts. Nas Reed's a free agent this summer. Jane McDaniels is extension eligible, so he's coming up on his next deal. You've now you're at a point in a rebuild where you're going to have already paid all your primary building blocks, which is just a weird place to be, even though you have picks. And what is that? I guess you'll have other salaries on the roster from trading Cat and Gobert that you could then parlay those picks into a trade. You're not going to suck with Anthony Edwards would be my guess and whatever you get back on the return. So you're almost obligated to then turn around and make sort of the, another trade. And mm-hmm. it just, it's hard to accelerate your position from there. I would say right off the bat. So I made a list myself because I thought this was my question at one point I would take OKC Orlando and Indiana's rebuild over this version of the Wolves rebuild. Would you agree? Yeah. I didn't even think about Indiana, but for sure, just because you have Halliburton and Turner and, and, maximum flexibility basically for sure now the other teams that i thought were at least like we could talk about it would you take detroit that's a closer question um because i don't think they have anybody that is is i feel good about being like on edwards level like you know cunningham maybe but i don't we don't know we just don't have haven't seen enough and they have like more volume in terms of young guys than than the wolves would but and why they're in for some reason at the same time that's uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, they're going to follow my all-star pattern. I'm just playing two centers. Uh, One of those centers, it'd be nice if they played like really good defense though. That'd That's be cool. Good. Or like knew what to do. Um, yeah. Detroit. I don't know, but what like the Spurs, it's probably better than the, well, I don't know. What do you think about the Spurs? I was, so that was the next team. So would you take Detroit? You said. I, it's like 50. It's a coin flip. Like probably, probably not just because I like Edwards better than anybody else. San Antonio was on the list. I would take the Spurs just because of their flexibility and I love Kelvin Johnson, Devin Vassell, mm-hmm. Jeremy Sohan just looks like he's guarding the other team's best player. They're playing him basically a point guard. He looks fantastic. So I would take the Spurs. Yeah. Would you take Charlotte? Which is just probably. basically LaMelo and stuff. Yeah, probably not. Because Edwards is just better than LaMelo, I think. Um, and and really, like, I don't have a lot of faith in Charlotte in terms of, like, how they've – the players they've targeted, the money they've spent. It doesn't seem like – you know, I don't know if we're factoring that in or we're just talking about assets, but I I think Edwards is better than LaMelo. And then I think the minute, I think the Wolves are, I don't know, after the Gobert trade are probably like more likely to make good decisions. I'm already talking myself out of that as I say it though. And, and it's like you said, any one of these teams, if they get Wemby, it's just, yeah. it's just, it's done. The, the last two are actually that I have listed are really interesting to me. Houston. I don't like anything about what's happening in Houston. So I would take almost. You don't like Steven Silas coming out and saying he doesn't draw up plays ever for number three pick Jabari Smith Jr. You don't think that that's. I I think anytime the coach is like pounding the table about effort and execution as often as Silas is, it means that like, this is, we're done here. Like this, this is too big of a problem to solve. Caesar, what about Orlando? I think they're sneaky building something good over there right now. I would say we, we just named them as a team that we would take without question, over this version of the Wolves' rebuild. We have those teams were Orlando, uh, OKC, and Indiana right off the bat. I think we both said we would. I would take San Antonio. Would you take San Antonio? I don't I, – I'm not sure. I, I like Vassell and, and Johnson, but I think I probably would rather have Edwards. Um, I might not take Detroit, even though I love Cade Cunningham, because I don't trust Troy Weaver even sort of at this mm-hmm. point. Um, yeah. And I would argue this is not a well actually Caesar. I don't even think what Orlando's building is sneaky. That team is no. just like, it's just I think that they're going to be fantastic when all the pieces come together at some yeah. point. The final team though, and you could hit me if I forgot one. What about Utah's rebuild versus that version of the Wolves rebuild? I think when you look at the talent on paper, it's like, well, I don't know. But then you get into the picks 
Yeah, the picks and, you know, Markkanen, I think most people would say is not on Edwards level, although Markkanen was an all-star before Edwards this year. I, you know, I, I think all, you know, what it comes down to for me is I have more faith in the people that are making the decisions in Utah than I do for in Minnesota. So even if all things were equal, which they're not because of all the picks, um, I think Danny Ainge is just the track record is what it is. And, and I'm not sure the Wolves can come close to that. This was fun. Do you want to take us out? Yes, I do. Oh, wait, uh, I'm sorry. We have a question. Oh, let's, let's hear it. Kirk uh, Golson for teams like my Spurs, hoping one B slash scoot is a three to seven draft spot, a fail or is doing three to seven picks like a top one to five pick in any other draft, a silver lining that make those picks still exciting. I'm not sure I understand this question, Kirk for teams like my Spurs hoping for Wemby scoot is a three to seven draft spot. Oh, so if you wind up basically in three to seven, instead of getting Wemby or scoot is this season a fail or still having a top five pick in this draft, like still going to be a silver lining for that. I think it's, I think it would be a fail. Like you got to have one of those two. I mean, you got to have one of those two or else I just don't know if you can, you can say well, that. What, what, so I'm going to push back here. That's a terrible answer. Why <laughs> is it? A, you can't view this as a two player draft. Number one. And the other thing is just like, I'm all about information. Now you have all this extra information on Jeremy Soan this season because you went through the teardown and the rebuild. You have it on even Kelton Johnson. You have it on Devin Vassell. You have it on Malachi Branham, who's really come on over the past few weeks. And so I think, yeah, you're disappointed if you don't get Wemby or Scoot, and I haven't dug enough into the draft coverage to know, like, well, what are the consolation prize? How valuable are they? But this seems like a very intriguing wing class once you get past Scoot Henderson at number two. Like, it feels like there's a lot of wings at the top. And so I don't know how it could be a – like. The lottery odds are you're statistically not going to get one of the first two picks. Right. At this Let, let's, let's call it a colossal disappointment because it can't be a failure, I guess, because even if the draft weren't going to shake out like it is with such a clear one too, the Spurs, you know, starting over was the right decision. So like the process is correct. The results have the potential to still be like massively disappointing if you don't end up with Wembenyama. So all of that. That I would agree with. That was actually a really good question, Kirk, after I was able to uh, finally you know, digest it uh, in my idiotic brain. Do you want to take us out now for real, Grant? I, I would. Uh, everybody, thank you for checking in with us. Uh, and we will uh, be back doing some of these, hopefully at different times that we can get some more engagement. But uh, your questions are always appreciated. And as always, as Dan mentioned at the top, please remember to subscribe, follow us on our socials. They're all here on the screen at, at Hardwood Knox on Twitter and TikTok at Hardwood underscore Knox on Instagram. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, five stars, all that good stuff. Tell your friends and enemies. Uh, and as always, we shout out the one and only Frank Nilakina and issue a sincere apology to Jared Allen.